Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Conversations of the Way. My name is Carlos. I'm your host. And this week, we will start a three-part series about gold. Now, not gold the way you may think of it. It's the way gold and refinement and God relates to our lives. So I hope for the next three weeks, you are encouraged and that this draws you nearer to having an understanding of our relationship uh, with the Father through the Messiah. All right, let's start. So gold, we all have seen it, that yellow metal. You know, we all seen it in rings and chains. And I personally never bought, uh, bought any gold trinkets that I can remember. They're expensive and I'm just not you know, too much for jewelry. I know that some people like shiny things. You know, they just don't get my attention as much. I'd rather spend my money in experiences rather than shiny objects, but there's nothing wrong with shiny objects. Besides being used in jewelry, gold can be used as an investment tool, as a hard asset commodity. At one point in history, gold was used as a form of exchange for goods and services. The United States itself used gold to back up its economy. To my understanding, in theory, before 1934, you could exchange your paper money for gold. Eventually, the U.S. got off the gold standard in 1971 and now completely relies on the fiat currency you're now accustomed to use. Since this is not a conversation about currency, I'm just going to leave that for you to research if you want. The point is that throughout our history, precious metals have been used for purchasing. One story of the scriptures that comes to mind is when Abraham wanted to buy a plot of land to bury his wife Sarah in Genesis 23. He bought the plot of land from Ephron, the Hittite, for 400 shekels of silver. It is an interesting, interesting exchange and I recommend reading it on your own. There are many lessons to learn from it. Mining for gold, I would assume, is an arduous job even with today's technologies. I cannot imagine the difficulty of that back in biblical times. Gold was probably worth more than today. Now, mining for gold is just the beginning. You then must transport it, and then you must refine it. You then must take it into that, make it into that metal you pull from the ground to those shiny bars you see in the movie. To make fine gold, the gold must be heated to an extreme temperature of 1,000 degrees. The impurities of the gold will come up to the surface and then you can skim off the impurities. As of today, a one ounce bar is worth around $1,700. That is a lot of money for a small piece of metal. That is a value that man has placed on it because of many factors supply and demand to be one of them, and because of other controlling entities. But what is an ounce of gold to the Father? It's an easy answer, right? He does not place any value on it because He created everything, and everything belongs to Him. But there's something He also cares for, that He also created. You. He cares about you. You are more worth to Him all the gold in the world and if you let him he will mine and refine your life 
and make you as pure as gold. Those are genuinely nice words, but these words are not mine. Psalms chapter 66 verse 10 says, For you have tried us, O God, you have refined us as silver is refined. End quote. As we mentioned, a precious metal must be heated up to high temperature to be refined, and this verse tells us where this heat comes from. It comes from trials and tribulations. I know that everyone that is listening to my voice has gone through an unwanted trial. Sometimes we cause those trials from our own disobedience of the commandments, and others appears to come out of nowhere. From personal experience, I will tell you that most of my trials have come from my own disobedience, for not listening to his instructions and commandments. Regardless of where they came from, if we persevere to the end of the trial, we will come out of the trial better than we were. Mark chapter 13 verse 13 says, And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. End quote. And the Messiah meant it as we see in Revelations chapter 3 verse 11, the last book of the scriptures. I am coming soon. Hold fast, in another word, endure what you have, so that no one may seize your crown. There is this common misconception that both unbelievers and new believers have that once you've decided to follow in his ways, that no more troubles will come your way. That is by far not true. This is just the beginning of your refinement. I'm going to be brutally honest with you. If you're looking for an easy ride when you follow this way, you might as well not buy the ticket. But if you do decide to get on this ride, your reward will come in the end. And I'm not saying that you should be rejoicing when trouble knocks at your door, but understand that you're about to be refined and purified. Job is a great example. It must be my favorite book and hard for me to read and understand. Hard to read because the man lost everything and he was a good man. But the father used those trials to refine him. And Job was rewarded for enduring to the end. And Job knew what was going on, as he says in Job chapter 23 verse 10, When he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. End quote. I recommend you read this book and read it slowly, maybe with some popcorn, because somebody should honestly make a book out of this, make a movie out of this uh, book, because it's just, it, there's a lot of drama going on in there. Once we decided to walk in his ways, the refinement starts. Just like gold has impurities, we also have impurities. We have sin in our flesh and it needs to be burned away. Now why is this? Romans chapter 8 verse 13 states, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. End quote. We see the symbolizing of this in the death and resurrection of Jesus. Kill the flesh and live in the Spirit. Now I know, I know. It's easier said than done. But what other choice do we have? 
As Paul states in Romans chapter 6, verse 1 through 2, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? End quote. In other words, we do have grace in him. But that does not give us the right to keep acting a fool. Do not worry. That foolishness goes away eventually if we could keep pursuing him by reading the scriptures and staying in prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. We mentioned that the Father loves us more than gold. But what should we love more than gold? Let us see what 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6-9 says. In this you rejoice, that now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes through it, is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressibly and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation, of your souls. End quote. Our faith should be more precious than anything in this world. We know that we should not store up here on earth treasures where moth eats them and rust destroys them. Matthew chapter 6 verse 19. Our faith is a call to action. It is not just a verbal affirmation. We need to walk the walk. We need to do what Jesus told us to do in Matthew chapter 22 verse 37 through 40. Love God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. End quote. These are the same commandments that God gave his people in the Old Testament. He changes not. Malachi chapter 3 verse 6. And this makes sense when out of the mouth of Jesus, he says in John chapter 14, verse 15, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. End quote. Our lives and bodies are a living sacrifice, as Paul states in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 through 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. End quote. We must sacrifice ourselves in this life. We live in a society of selfishness and self-worship, to the extent that it is normal, accepted, and promoted. But the Word tells us to be different and not to be conformed to this world. This means that if we are to be different, we need to remove all the impurities from our lives. We need to be holy. Holy in the Hebrew means set apart, meaning that you are separate from this world. You live in this world, but you do not act like this world, think like this world, and feel like this world. People 
should see us in a different light if the word has truly transformed us. People just say, that is a peculiar person. The word says this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, quote, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. End quote. You are incredibly special to him. This should not get to your head and make you think you're better than the nations, better than anyone else. It should make you humble because you once lived among the nations. And he called you out of the nations to be part of his holy set-apart nation. We came out of Babylon as he called us to do in Jeremiah chapter 51 verse 45. Go out of the midst of her, her meaning Babylon. My people, let everyone save his life from the fierce anger of God. End quote. We're living in a spiritual Babylon. And as we make the decisions to come out of her, our lives need to be refined. It is a painful transition at first, but it is worth it when you realize you are no longer a slave to this world, but now live in freedom through the sacrifice of the Messiah. There is also a prophecy regarding refinement for his people. Let's go through a few verses on the prophets. Daniel chapter 11 verse 35 Some of those who have insight will fall. In order to refine, purge, and make them pure unto the end time, because it is still to come at the appointed time. Daniel 12.10 Many will be purged, purified, and refined, but the wicked will act wickedly, and none of the wicked will understand, but those who have insight will understand. Zechariah 13.9 And I will bring the third part through the fire, and I will refine them as silver is refined, and I will try them as gold is tried. They shall call on my name, and I will hear them. I will say, It is my people, and they shall say, I am their God. Isaiah 48.10 Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tried you in the furnace of affliction. Malachi chapter 3 verse 2 to 4 But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like a fuller's soap. He will sit at a smelter and purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver, so that they may present to the Lord offerings in righteousness. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord, as in the days of old and as in former years. As we can see, prophecy will be fulfilled by the refining of his people. And I think we know who Malachi is talking about. The Word. The Word made flesh will refine us, so we can be presented as righteous to his Heavenly Father. Final thoughts. I have often heard that pain is weakness leaving the body. We're talking about physical pain here. But spiritual pain is sin leaving the body. It is painful. The word forces us to look in the mirror and see all our impurities and faults. But you also must recognize that this was the old us, and now we are new in him.
it will take some time to take the impurities out. To be honest with you, it will never stop. That's not to be negative. Think about it. We all try to be better in many parts of our lives. We try to be better at our jobs, sports, hobbies. We try to be better husbands, wives, fathers, mothers, sons, and daughters. We try to eat better and sleep better. So of course, we should be trying to better our faith. I do not think we should be praying for trials in our lives. I think we should be praying that we shall be refined and that the Father through His Son may give us the strength to endure to the end. When my time of judgment comes, I want to be able to recite 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. End quote. All right, everyone. That's all I have for you today. I hope that it touched your heart. I hope that it gave you a better understanding of our relationship with God through trials that we often have to go through at times. But if we stick with Him, if we stick to His faithfulness, to His promises, to His word, we will come out better to the end. So that was uh, episode one, and we have two more to go. And um, I hope we keep uh, learning and growing together through Him. Until next time.